the volume. The Draymond Green Show is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to bet the action than on FanDuel Sportsbook during the football season. It's easy to use. It's safe and secure. You get payouts in as fast as two hours. There's so many bet types. My favorite same-game parlay bets. There's live betting, player props, futures. If you're new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. To get started now, sign up. Please use the promo code Colin. C-O-L-I-N. FanDuel Sportsbook makes it easy. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unk, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unk podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unk, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Draymond Green Show. This is episode 17, and boy, is it a big one. We've been processing this one for a while. I hope you caught that wordplay, processing it. Trying to make it happen. Schedules collide. It happens all the time. East Coast travel, West Coast travel. Sometimes can be hectic to put it together, but we got it done this week, and I am excited to welcome MVP candidate, five-time All-Star, The Process, Joel Embiid, to the show today. Uh, he will be our guest, and this interview, man, was it a good one. And I mean, what would you expect, though? It's Joel who talks a bunch of shit to everybody and anybody. And then it's me who like to talk from time to time. And it's us having a conversation. So I thought it was great. I hope you all enjoy it and, and take away from it um, some of the things that I took away from it. it was, I thought it was an incredible interview. But before we get to that, uh, let's cruise around the association a little bit, uh, starting off with my return. Whew. It was incredible. Um, but it was a blur. I mean, I was like, if you watch when when I checked into the game, I actually didn't process that welcome back and ovation. I didn't process it at all. It, I was nervous as shit. Like if you if you see me, like go back and watch the clip and look how like watch how fast I'm like ripping my pants off and taking my shirt off. Like I turn. And then I just had straight for the free throw line. 
And, and Rui said something to me next to me. He said, man, I thought they were cheering for me. And I was so out of it, I started laughing like, yeah, they were. And I'm like, wait a minute. Ha, that was funny. Like, I mean, the, the nerves that I was feeling um, and getting back out there. You know, when, when, when coming off an injury, you're just never – you can just never be too sure how it's going to go. So it's that on top of not playing for a couple months. So on top of uh, playing with, with Steph and Clay for the first time in 1,005 days. Um, you know, it's all of that in one. And it, it was a blur. Like, it, it, it just was moving way too fast for me. Like, I mean, even with the ovation, like, most people would, like, stop and, like, wave or, like, acknowledge. I didn't even realize it. Like, it took me to get home last night, check my phone. I went to Twitter. And, like, my first, my first response to the ovation, if you go look at my Twitter page, I think I said, like, wow. That's the first I had really even heard of it. Like, I had no idea. And by the way, it was 2, 3 a.m. by the time I saw it. Like, I had no idea that was the case. And so, I most importantly, I want to say thank you to Dub Nation. Um, I mean, that was incredible. It was something that I will remember for the rest of my life of what I do remember of it. But, I mean, just to be welcomed back like that, I, I can't thank thank our fans enough. It was incredible. It was such an amazing night. Steph's birthday, to come back on Steph's birthday, it's obviously incredible. I said the other day in one of my interviews, like, no, this this should be a very memorable birthday for him. Like, he scored 47. It's our first time playing in, in 1,005 days because 34 sucks. Like, like, you're turning 34. Like, that's no fun. It's like I turned 32 last week. Like, 32? Like, it's, it's just one of those birthdays. And so, and, and 34 is even worse. Like, 34, you're, like, right on the cusp of having a big 35th, but not quite there. And so it's, like, in reach, but not quite there. So it's boring as hell. But I think the birthday turned out great. Like, it was an incredible night. Steph dropped them boys off of 47, which was beautiful to see. Uh, wish he would could have gotten 50, but uh, we came out the game the last minute and a half. And I have no doubt in my mind that he would have gotten 50 if we were still in the game. But, man, it was just, it was such an amazing night. I felt great for the most part. I think once I got to the end of my last, uh, like the end of my six-minute stretch, I got, you know, my win and get a little challenge in there. But for the most part, I felt pretty good. Um, a couple times I'm dribbling down the court and I, like, just lose handle of the ball. Like, it's kind of a field thing. And so... I'm still getting my feel back. I feel like I'm at about 70, 70, 75% or something like that. And I got, I have a month to get ready for the playoffs. And I have no doubt in my mind that I'll be back um, where I left off uh, for the playoffs. But overall, I thought it was pretty good. I thought, you know, we did some really good things on the offensive end. I thought we did some really good things on the defensive end. And um, like I said, uh, some of the moments that felt great to me, number one, Steph put me in the position as soon as I checked into the game um, to catch the ball on the post and hit him was incredible because as soon as that happened, which was the very first play I was in, as soon as that happened, I was like, oh, like I felt normal after that. Like I felt like, oh, I'm fine. Like once that first things ha that first thing happens, then from that point, it's just kind of like, all right, like now it's just basketball. And so him putting me in that position was 
extremely important because you start to run up and down the court a few times, three, four, five times, and nothing happened with you. And then that that nervousness just starts to build and build and build and build, and it gets a little hectic. So I was extremely appreciative of that. And then I think it was just such a moment. like, And, and so that moment really st- stood out to me. And then also the mo- another moment that really stood out to me was the the – the um, backdoor cup uh, dime for Clay in transition. That moment was beautiful to me because it was Steph and Clay right on top of each other, and then it was myself. And so that play kind of involved that play kind of involved all of us. And so I thought that was like those were the two moments, like two plays in the game that really stuck out to me. That um. That I, that moving forward, I'll remember those plays in that game. It was such a beautiful thing. So riding the four-game win streak, which I think is great, especially off of uh, that stretch of games that we had that I think we lost nine out of 11. And so to see how the, t- the squad has bounced back from that and, and, you know, pulled out some very tough wins, by the way, I thought, I thought that was a beautiful. I thought that was a great uh, show of character and, and resilience because – the reality is this team, this team has not really gone through much. And, you know, I know most people all say, oh, well, they got championship experience. We got four guys with championship experience and then 11 or 12 guys with not much playoff experience at all. And so trying to get them to understand what it takes to win at this time in the season and moving forward. It's something that you have to really teach, and I think that's something that we needed to go to in order to figure it out. And I think, you know, we we definitely showed that we're capable of figuring it out and and putting it back together. So that's been beautiful to see. But yeah, man, I mean, and, and just wrapping up about the 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 comeback. I mean, it was it was incredible. Uh, as I said in my press conference last night, I'm very thankful for Rick Celebrini and all the work that we put in to get back here. Man, it, it was not an easy road, like. Four weeks ago, I I could barely run. Like two and a half weeks ago, I was like super excited to dunk a basketball, like literally to dunk the basketball. And and so like what I had to go through to get back to that court, especially in the time that I did, it it was it, it was hard. It was I mean, super challenging, but very rewarding to know. Uh, the work that I put in, that Rick and I uh, dedicated ourselves to, to know that it brought me back here to do what I love with the guys that I I love to uh, take to court with every single night. And like I said, for the first time in a thousand and five days, like that's insane. And I could have never imagined that that would be our reality, but that is our reality. And, you know, the, the band is back together. And like I said last night, 2C, 3C, 7C, I don't give a damn. We win in the championship, and that's that. Also, not quite around the association, but in the basketball world, I know you may see I have on my Michigan State Spartan sweatshirt. Uh, this is not a coincidence. Um, as you know, we have one show a week, and so this show has to live for the Michigan State Dave, Davidson Wildcat game. 7-10 matchup. My Spartans kind of let go of the rope a little bit down the stretch and ended up as a seven seed when three weeks ago we were 
number one in the Big Ten. We end up as a seven seed in the tournament. And so that's the story for another day. But my Spartan Dogs is going into Greenville, South Carolina, which is essentially a home game for Davidson. And we are going to destroy Steph Curry's Davidson Wildcats. And there will be some good bets. There will be a monetary bet. There will be a bet of Steph Curry walking into the game in the Sparty costume. No, no, no. Not not just my jersey. Not just a Michigan State t-shirt. He will come to a game as the Michigan State Spartan mascot. Sparty. That's what it's going to be. So I'm looking forward to that game. And so I had to wear this shirt just to let it be known. My Spartan Dawes is, is, is March. You know what they call Tom Izzo, Mr. March. You know how he gets it done at this time of year. And I don't think it's any different. Now, this year, now, the second round matchup that we have is Duke. And you know what Coach Izzo say? You give me the first game of the weekend. I'll get you the second one. And I have no doubt in my mind that he's going to get me the second one. I've actually never lost in the second weekend of a of in the second game of a weekend. That is his thing. You give me the first one, I'll get you the second one. And he delivers. So goodbye, Davidson. Coach K, I got nothing but love for you, man. We we want to go medal together. Incredible. Great, great run. Congratulations to the legendary, the great Coach K. Such an honor I had to play for him in the 2016 Olympics. But Coach K, you must enjoy retirement after round two, my friend, because my Spartans, we getting it done, baby. That's what we do, Coach. But it's been a great run for you, Coach. And I am upset and sad that it has to end at the hands of my Spartans, Coach K. But it has to. And to all the, the Dookie Blue Devils out there, JT, um, Seth, I, I can go down the list. Kyrie, like, I can go down this list for days. Bet the money. My Spartans taking y'all down. So let me know what it is. All you Dookie Blue Devils. All you guys who, Zion, all you guys who showed up for the, the Coach K retirement game. Quinn Cook, by the way, I absolutely thought that was incredible of how everyone showed up. Like, that was amazing. Uh, kudos to the, to the Duke program. That was spectacular. But all you guys, I'm taking all the bets. Michigan State, round two, after we crushed Steph Curry, Davidson Wildcats. Holla at me. I need those bets. You know I'm always rolling with my Spartans. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray, rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Man, as I told y'all, this this next guest uh, is one of the guys I'm most excited uh, to speak with. I think when, when we're done playing basketball, we'll probably have a show together. Um, and, and it's going to be the the number one rated basketball show in the world. I'm just throwing that out there. Hopefully the big fella take the bait. But, man, I'm extremely excited to welcome five-time All-Star MVP uh, frontrunner candidate this year and was an MVP candidate last year, arguably could have been MVP last year as well. But really excited to welcome this guy, man, a guy who I be locking up that outweighs me by 80 pounds. He, he's got me about six or seven inches. Joel B, welcome to the Draymond Green Show, my brother. I appreciate you coming on. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How you doing? I can't complain, man. First game back. I'm feeling great, bro. I'm so excited to be back out there on the floor, man. I've never, you know, I've never been through, and and I know you are is someone that definitely understands it even more than I do. I've never really been through an injury that kept me out that long. Like, I've been out, I was out for 11 weeks. Like, I've had some injuries that I needed to rehab, but they were all over the summer. And so I've never been through an injury that kept me out that long in the season. Man, it's brutal. Yeah, it sucks. I mean, when you think about it, I missed my first, really my first three years uh, because of injury. Uh, obviously, you know, they they're they're also kept me out longer than, you know, he was supposed to uh, just because uh, they wanted to make sure that I was right. Uh, but mm-hmm. it sucks. Uh, can you, I mean, for you, you said it was 11 weeks for me, really three years. So, yeah, yeah. and especially coming out of college, uh, so you lose, you know, those first three years of experience that you can get uh, in that time, and it does suck. Yeah, no, for sure, man. I it, it gave me a totally different appreciation for what guys like yourself went through, um, what Zion Williamson is going through, what Clay Thompson went through. Like, it, it gave me such a, a deeper appreciation. Week two, I'm like, all right, man, like, this this is crazy. Like we we in here six hours, 
just in the weight room doing like core strength. Like, what are we doing, man? It, it's yeah, crazy. So at some point, at some point, it doesn't make sense because you're going every single day. Obviously, you do a bunch of of exercises every single day. Um, but sometimes it's the same thing, and like it just like it gets annoying. Like I remember my first uh, my first year, so I was doing rehab all the time, and then. Uh, you know, they had me, you know, they wanted me to sit on the bench and travel with the team and all that and all that stuff. And um, and we were that was at a time where, you know, we were losing a lot every single game. So, like, I had to go through that and, you know, having to go through, you know, rehab every single t- single day mentally is already tough. And then you got to mm-hmm. sit on the bench and watch the losing going into the game and knowing that uh, you don't have, like, your team doesn't have a chance to win the game. So you probably going to watch losses after losses. Like, he was, like, mentally, like, you got to be extremely strong. Absolutely. I think, I think for me, um, I hadn't sat on the bench most of the games I was out. I maybe I sat on the bench one game and two games the entire time that I missed. Obviously, you know, we have a much better team, but I think what people don't realize when you're going through rehab, you're on a totally different schedule than the team. You're you're there way earlier than them because you need to get your rehab in before they come in prepping for the game or prepping for practice or whatever it is. You're then there way later than them. And to... to then ask a guy, like, Yo, by the way, we want you to sit on the bench. That's your whole day gone. Yeah, for sure. And so I thought, for, like, for me, that was a big thing where they, they didn't make me sit on the bench. Um, and, and it was good for me. But in speaking of your injury and essentially missing the bulk of your first three years and then, um, and then following, following those three years, you then go on and sign a five-year, $148 million rookie extension. What did that tell you that the team was willing to bet on you like that and you probably had played all the 40, 50 games leading no, up to that? Man, I remember when uh, my agent at the time, uh, I don't have an agent anymore, but uh, my agent at the time was uh, Leon Rose. He came up to me. He's like, yeah, they want to, you know, resign you. They want to give you, you know, five year, hundred and fifty mil or whatever that was. I was like, like, what are you talking about? I haven't played basketball. Like, I played thirty one games in three years, and like, we're talking about, you know, a max deal. Like, and I only played thirty one games. And then he started going over it. He's like, yeah, but they want to put, you know, all these protections and all that stuff. Like, this amount is guaranteed. I was like, I don't care how much is guaranteed. I'm <laughs> I'm signing whatever because like, this is insane. Like, they're giving me $150 million after playing 31 games. I was like, yo, they got to be crazy. Like, And that was still at the point where, like, really, that was uh, my fourth year or fifth year playing basketball, really, mm-hmm. my, really, but when I started playing in the NBA, that was really my, you know, second year because I had missed, you know, those three years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at that point, I, I never really believed in myself at that point where, like, you know, people always saw something different in me uh, than I did. Like, at that point, I was like, 
like I'm not even that good. Like I, I don't know what they're seeing in me, but like if they're gonna give me, if they're gonna give me this amount of money, and I'm not from here, I'm from Cameroon. Like yeah, I gladly steal it because I don't know what's gonna happen in the future. Like you know, I, I just missed two years and. You know, everybody's talking mm-hmm. about uh, he's never going to play in the NBA. Like, he's already missed two years. They're talking about, you know, all the, you know, busts, uh, you know, in past history and all that stuff. You know, all these bad stories coming out, you know, about me, whether it was the weight and all that stuff. And it was at mm-hmm. the wrong time, too, because that was at the time where I had just lost my little brother when I had to mm-hmm. go back to Kenmore. So, you know, all that stuff was like... It was crazy. And, you know, when, you know, he came up to me, he's like, yeah, this is the deal. You know, they're going to get into this amount of money. I'm like, Leon, I don't care. Like, whatever <laughs> they're getting to, I'm taking it because I don't know what's about to happen. Like, I'm like reading into like what all these people are saying about me. Like, I don't even believe in myself. I don't know how good I am and how good I'm going to be. So I was like, yo, like, I'm not even, I don't even want to fight it. I, I was like, just do whatever you have to do. That's incredible, man. I, I have a couple questions, uh, follow-ups on, on a couple of things you just said. Number one, talk to me about not believing in yourself because from what we've seen um, is, and it's funny that you say that, and I, I have interest in this because I too, you know, I am, I am, I'm not bashful at all, just like yourself. Like, if I have something to say, I'm going to say it, like yourself. Yeah. And I think one thing, you ex- you exude confidence. Like, when anyone see you, you exude, like, like we know, like, Joel, not only is Joel good, but Joel think he's going to bust your ass. Like, no matter who you are. But to then go on to say you didn't believe in yourself. Like, walk me through that journey for someone as confident as yourself to to then lose confidence and say, I, like, get, give me anything. I don't believe in me. So give me whatever, whatever they're going to give me. I'll take it. So I, I'll take you to the timeline. So think about, so your whole life, uh, you know, uh, I went to, you know, obviously school. I was really good at school. Uh, I never really thought I'd, yeah, I didn't start playing basketball until I was 16. So uh, before that, I was playing, you know, soccer. I was playing volleyball. So, and I was actually, uh, at the one, you know, 16 years old, I was about to actually go to France to try to become a professional volleyball player until wow. Luke came back to, Luke Balmute, he came back to Cameroon and he had a camp and which, you know, a camp I didn't even want to go to because I had just started playing basketball like three months before that. So I was like, yo, I'm not good enough. Like, you know, these guys, they've been playing basketball their whole lives and like, there's no way I'm going to get picked uh, for his camp. And then I went over there and, you know, like I said, like people always saw, you know, something different and I saw in myself and he ended up giving me that opportunity. So I get to... I get to the U.S. I went to Montverde Academy. That whole year, like, I was practicing with the uh, JV team and the senior team, but I was playing JV. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the clip of me. Uh, if, I don't know if you look at it. That's a funny clip. So that threw oh, me the ball. <laughs> and then I just <laughs> run out of bounds, like, taking out the room. Like, I didn't even know where I was. Like, that was like, my first year in America. Like, that was like, 
you know, seven months, you know, playing basketball and, you know, I was playing JV and all that stuff. And uh, I didn't really get the chance to really show what, you know, like what I could do, uh, if I could even do anything, you know, my junior year. So I had to transfer to uh, another school, the box school it, that was still in Florida. And then I get there, I got the opportunity, and then people started recruiting me. I get to Kansas. The first practice, it wasn't really a practice. It was like a scrimmage that we had. Mm -hmm. We had, uh, you know, I was a freshman. We had a Tariq Black. It was like mm -hmm. a senior transfer from Memphis. Uh, you know, people were watching. The women's team was watching. He dunked on me so hard. I was like, I'm not ready for this. Like, there's no way. So I go to Coach Self's office. I'm like, Coach, I, I can't do this. Like, I need to register. Like, like, and that was at the time I thought I was going to be in college for like, you know, five years. And like, I, I really didn't think I had the potential to be in the NBA because my whole goal coming to America was to use this basketball opportunity to try to get a degree and make something out of my life and go back home and, you know, make money and help my family and all that stuff. So I never believed that, you know, I had any chance in basketball or, or whatever. So... I told him, and then he's like, you kidding me? You're going to be the number one pick in two years. And then I'm like, uh, I, I've always, like, before I got to college, I, I was always told that, you know, coaches lie all the time. And then I'm like, this dude, he's just lying. He's just lying to my face. <laughs> no way. I, I'm not believing whatever he, uh, he's saying. So we go on. Obviously, I, I went to school with Wiggs. And uh, mm -hmm. I'm, one, thing, one thing that people don't know is that I'm always going to be so thankful for him because when we went to college, he had so much hype and so much yeah. attention. Like, he was crazy. Like, people were like, like, he's pretty good at what he does. But at that time, they were like, he's the next LeBron James. Like, he's going to mm -hmm. be better than them. So, like... He has so much hype and everybody just wanted to come watch him. Like scouts, like, like we always had so many scouts. And I was, I guess I was kind of also using that opportunity to mm -hmm. show them, you know, what I could do. So when they would come in the gym, like I would be randomly walking on, you know, a keen dream shake and like show them that, yeah, I got it. And, you know, they started seeing that in me. And then obviously, you get to the league and, you know, the foot injury, you got to miss a couple of years. And and like I mentioned, the stories are coming out and my brother died. So, like, I really lost all the confidence because I'm like, I, like I, I don't know what to do. Like, I even thought about, like, giving up on basketball because, I, you know, my brother died and all that stuff. And, you know, but going back to your question is, like, the first moment that I thought that I had a chance wasn't until I stepped on the basketball NBA floor for the first time. Uh, my third year against OKC, I stepped on the floor. You know, Stephen Adams was guarding me and all that stuff. I, you know, I scored a bucket, uh, my first bucket, and then I was like, "Hey, this is easy." <laughs> so, like, we ended up losing the game, but like. That's where, like, the culture completely changed in Philly. Like, all these losing years before me, uh, there was so much excitement. People were, like, going crazy. They were like, oh, it's about to change. And then I was like, wow, like, 
the attention that I'm getting and, you know, what I was there. I was like, I think I scored like 22 points in like 26 minutes my first game. I'm like, uh, I was on minute restrictions the whole year, but I'm like, you know, this is easy. Like, I can do this. And then that's where, like, you know, we, you know, back in the day when I used to be going crazy on Twitter and all that stuff and talking <laughs> to other guys, that's where I felt it because I'm like, you know, like, like it's easy. And like, like my personality is also that I like to talk, I like to talk trash. Like I like to like show that I'm better than, you know, everybody else. And, you know, that's why, like, you know, I was going crazy on Twitter, whether I was playing against, you know, whether it was talking trash or, you know, kicking the ass on the floor, like it was fun. But that's where I really found out that, yeah, like it's easy. I got a chance. So, so for so for those of y'all out there, uh, let me take you into the mind of these superstars, and and it's filled with irrational confidence, which is what it ends up making these guys superstars. And if y'all didn't hear him, he scored his first basket, and then in his mind, from the first basket on, it's been easy ever since. And the reality is, it has been, but there's only a select few of guys in this league that can really reach that type of irrational confidence. And so you, when you go around the league, you see certain guys being called superstars, and they're not. Like, the reality is there aren't a bunch. There, there aren't more than 10 superstars in the NBA, Joel being one of them. And, that, and that's – 10 is probably a bit strong. And that term gets tossed around so loosely. But to take you guys in the mind of a superstar, because I have had the opportunity to play with a few of them, it's it's like irrational confidence. Like, I scored one time, and then at that point it was easy to me. And so I just want to make sure y'all understand the mindset of these dudes and how insane it is. And that's why it's only a few of those guys. But... <clears throat> And going back, so so you go through that entire journey. Um, you you go to the 76ers, and I thought you did one of the most you made one of the most genius moves when it came to Philadelphia as a city, and when it came to the 76ers as an organization. And all these teams has something that they go by, some slogan that they're kind of where their season is or where their team is that they're going to build on throughout the year. Ours has been strength in numbers and blah, blah, blah. And the 76ers was the process. Embrace the process. You then took that name and made it your nickname, said, I'm the process. What made you do that? Because I thought that was genius. And, I, and, and to me, it felt like once you did that, Everybody else in that city, everybody else in that fan base, everybody else in the organization was like, oh, there's our guy right there. I thought that was genius. What made you do that? There was a couple of things. The first thing was obviously I got drafted by Sam Hinkie. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, he's the reason why, you know, we were able to whether it's draft me or have these many picks and all that stuff, um, you know. And then I got to the league, and my second year, it was basically forced out by, I don't want to say names, but you know, I'm outspoken, so I say it. Uh, by the NBA, uh, <laughs> I would say, I don't know 
but I think that's what it was. Um, and then, uh, you know, that, that, that pissed me off because I felt like, yeah, sure. There was a lot of losing, uh, which I wasn't part of because that was before I started playing, but I knew that eventually once I started playing, it was going to change, which it did. So they basically forced him out and I didn't like it. And then during the time, it, the process didn't actually start with me, but I was like, you know what? Around that time, the league did not like the process because it was a bunch of losing. Like <laughs> they say it was like tanking, you know, they were losing on purpose, which in the NBA, like no one loses on purpose. Like, you're not going to put NBA players out there and tell them that go lose a basketball game. Like mm-hmm. they're going to go out and they're going to do their best. And sometimes, most of the time, like if you're not talented enough in the NBA, you're going to freaking lose. If you play the games, you know, more talented players. So you're not going to put guys out there and tell them that you're going to lose. So to me, they weren't losing on purpose. So I got pissed off because, you know, they went Sam Minky out of town and I knew that they didn't like the process, all the losing stuff. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to piss some people off. Like, even around the team, like, there was a bunch of people that didn't like that award. Like, I remember, like, I won't say names, but I used to get calls about, like, can you please tell Joanne not to mention, you know, the process name? Like, we're trying to move on from it. And I was like, all right, watch, watch this. So that's why I started pushing the agenda about, like, you know what? I'm going to support my man because he drafted me. He had, you know, coming out of college uh, before I got drafted, like he believed in me. I was hurt, but he still believed in me. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to support him too. That's why I took on, you know, that whole process thing to try to, you know, try to keep what he was doing and really uh, show them that, like, yeah, like we got power. Like it doesn't matter if they don't want to talk about the process or if they want to forget about it. Like players, you know, have a lot of power when they speak. And I started understanding that. That's why I was like, you know what? I'm going to keep pushing that. And that's why I stuck. Wow. That's incredible. And not surprising that you picked that to piss people off because that's what you do. Um, (laughs) Not surprising at all. But in speaking of the process and speaking of you pissing people off because that's what you do and, and you and you even mentioned it yourself you were going crazy on Twitter like crazy one of the things that you did to me that stood out the most and like you were one of my favorite followers when you were going ape shit on Twitter and Instagram and one of the things that I absolutely loved that you did was when you would do the location yeah. and the location was whoever you had just dropped off that night yeah. And one that really stood out to me, because people, people look at the NBA today and they, they tend to forget, like, how stuff has turned over. And at that time, Andre Drummond was a starting center in the NBA. He was an all-star center in the NBA. Um, y'all were in the same conference. And you're just now starting to make your name. Yeah. And you put Andre Drummond's head and then your, your caption was like, I own real estate in your head for free or something like that, you said. like, And I'm like, yo, this dude is out of his mind. And then that kind of started this, 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 like, this beef amongst you and Andre Drummond. 
But by the way, I by must the say, way, by the way, it wasn't a beef. I, I was always, you know, that's you know, you, we were on the same team and all that stuff. But I always kicked his ass. Like he, he never, <laughs> had, he never had any chance. Like. I never had any chance. (laughs) So check this, though. When he decided that he was going to come to y'all team, I was kind of like, huh? And then I saw the video. (laughs) Then I saw the video of him arriving at the arena, at the facility once he signed, and you kind of turned and shook him up and kind of went back to which. And I was just thinking to myself, like, what is going through his head right now? Are, are, is he really feeling like I own this man right now? Like you just came to back me. What was going through your? I, I have to know. Oh, I, I need to know what was going through your head when he decided he was going to sign with y'all. I mean, the reality is it helped his career because he's revitalized his career and backing yeah. you up and now going to Brooklyn and, and he's playing incredible basketball in Brooklyn. So it worked. But what were you thinking? <laughs> Well, I, I say this thing. So I, I think I think most of the time, like, you know, I talk trash or in the past when I used when I used to like really go at it with, you know, anybody, whether it was white side or drum or whoever. Um, you know, I to me like it has never been, you know, serious to the point where like I don't hate anybody. Like I'm like, I'm doing this for fun. Like if people get their feelings hurt. That is on them. Like that has nothing to do with me. <laughs> anything that I say and anything that I do, I literally I'm not I'm not I'm not kidding. So let's say whenever I'm about to send a tweet, before I even send a tweet, I'm in my kitchen or my living room just dying <laughs> because I know that people are gonna go crazy, whether they're gonna take it seriously or whether they're gonna think that it's funny. I'm already so done. And then when I send a tweet, I'm like, yo, I'm like crying because I'm like, that's what people love or whatever. But at that time, like, I was like, when he signed with us, I was happy because I'm like, yo, like when you look at you know the previous years, like you know, every single time that I went off the floor, we always lost leads. You look at game seven against Toronto when we lost that series. Uh, I played, you know, 40, what, 46 minutes, uh, 46 minutes. We were, what, plus three or whatever when I was on the floor. And then in the two minutes that I sat, we were minus 10. So, like, mm-hmm. to me, in my mind, I was like, when we signed him, I was like, I just need, like, a competing, like, someone who's not going to come off the, who's not going to come on the floor and just lose leads. So, mm-hmm. I was like, you know, it fits, you know, what we need. And, you know, I was fine with it. But, you know, if you're looking at, if you're looking at the video that you were talking about, it was really nothing. I was just... You know, walking out, I was lifting, doing my thing, and I greeted him. I said, you know, welcome to Philly. But then again, you know, in my mind, I, I could never forget, you know, the old days, you know, when I yeah. used to go out and uh, I remember posting that video of him dancing after I gave him, like, <laughs> that was after the game. So about that story. So we go, before that game, we go to Detroit. Uh, I had, like, we lost that game, but I had like 30 and 10. Uh, and then he ended up getting ejected or whatever. But after the game, he was talking crazy. He's like, that man is out of shape. He can't run. I'm like, 
like, what are you talking about, bro? Like, no, you just won, but I just had 30 on you, and I'm out of shape. Watch one, watch one. I'm about to do t- uh, to you. So I'm like, the next meeting was a couple weeks later. I'm like, you don't know what's coming. So in that next meeting, I had like 32 in the first half. I was going at it. He was in fire trouble. I was going. I was like, but I had 32 in the first half. I was like killing them. We was up by a lot and all that stuff. That's what I remember. You texted me after the video that uh, that I posted. You were like, yo, you crazy. And then like, crazy, oh, that's what I do. Like I had a location like crazy, like, you know, like I own a lot of real estate and all that stuff. But that's me. Like he, for me, it's fun. Like he's never Absolutely. like. He's never like serious where to the point where I'm like, I hate this man. Like, I don't want to be around this man. Like, I'm like, I never take it personal. Like, I'm like, well, he stays on the court and that's it. After we get off the court, if you want to, you know, talk to me or whatever, unless you say something disrespectful to me, other than that, like, I would never be disrespectful to anybody, whether it's, you know, going overboard and all that stuff. So I know where to draw the line. But other than that, like it's it's funny to me. Like I just I just go with the vibe, man. I just I just love it. That's incredible, man. I I um I I appreciate that about you because I'm the same way. I I talk a bunch of junk. It's never personal. Nah, like, you know, you playing was basketball. It was personal when you were talking to Paul Pierce. That was personal. No, nah, that that actually was like right off the top of the dome, man. Because I'm gonna tell you what happened. I'm gonna tell you what happened with that. So we're playing, and at that time, Doc is obviously with the Clippers. And yeah. we're playing, and, you know, for us coming up, like, you know the NBA going waves. So the Clippers, when we were really young, the Clippers were supposed to be the next team out the West. You know, like, they were the next young guys coming. And we like, hold on. We don't really believe in them. We got something to say about this. And so it kind of... You know, this this rivalry started budding against two young teams, us against them, Steph against CP. And, like, at that time, Blake is the guy. You know, like, Blake is like, they, they trying, they hyping Blake. Yeah, he's the next face of the league. Exactly. And, and, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm clamping that. Like, I ain't feeling that. And so then, you know, me and Blake had our situations. We had one where we had half court. He grabbed my side. I elbowed him in the throat. I get kicked out the game. He go back in the game. Bogey got him a second tech. He got kicked out. And, like, all of this stuff keep happening every time we play them, right? And, yeah. and so then Pierce come over to the team at, towards the end of his career, last two years, I think, or whatever it was. And now me and Blake Griffin already got a thing. Like, it's a thing. Yeah. And Pierce yells from the bench, Go at him, BG. He too little. Go at him, BG. Too little. He can't guard you. And so I'm like, fuck out of here. Go back down the court, whatever. We come back down. They go at me again. Go at him, BG. He can't guard you. Too small. So now I'm like, amp, right? And he like, shot fake. I go flying, trying to beat the shit. And I fouled him. And I'm like, Number one, why am I going for a Blake Griffin pump fake? Like, Blake shoot the ball now, but at that time, Blake wasn't shooting the ball like that. 
And so I'm like, why am I even going for a Blake? So now I'm fuming because I just picked up a foul on a pump fake I had no business going for. And I really went for this pump fake because you over there talking. And like, I'm trying to beat this shot so I can say something to you. And I fouled and I got really pissed. Like, wow, you just made me foul him. So I'm walking back to the bench. and he, I mean, I'm walking to the free throw line. And he like, yeah, BG, I told you he can't guard you. And I'm like, all right, bro, I had enough. And that's why I'm like, hey, bro, you you chasing this farewell tour. Like, you're not Kobe. Like, why are you doing this? If you retiring, if you if you retiring, go home. Like, ain't nobody doing no farewell tour for you and like making this whole like Kobe different, bro. Like, that's Kobe. Yeah. Like D-Wade, D Wade, that's D Wade. Like, Pierce, you had a great career, Hall of Fame career, but stop, bro. Like, you ain't getting no, no tour. And so it just came right off the top of the dome. Like, bro, you think you Kobe? Like, you ain't getting no farewell tour? Shut up. And I was really, <laughs> I was really fuming. But <clears throat> I tell you what, man, I, I never expected that when I said that to take on the life that it did. Yeah. Because there's a lot of young kids that remember Paul Pierce more for that moment than what Paul, who Paul Pierce really was. And, and the reality and is, they, it's a, unfortunate. He was a great player. He was the truth. Like, he didn't get that, he didn't get that nickname by mistake. Like, he was the truth. But a lot of young kids, a lot of people remember him for that moment. And I think it was such a big moment. Number one, the microphone caught it. But it was involving Kobe. And then, you know, like, God rest Kobe. So, once Kobe passed away and, like, what happened? To everybody, how it shook the world, that that statement never rang more true. Like when Kobe passed away, everybody started blowing my Instagram up, like often, like Kobe anniversary and stuff. Like my Instagram blow up often from that moment. Like it never rang true. Because I mean, look at that. Like, like we all know the reaction. We all know how it affected all of us. And so the story never rang more true. Uh, one thing I, after I didn't mention, Kobe is the reason why I started playing basketball. So Really? Yes. I I, I was watching uh, you know, uh thousand fourteen and I was watching the finals, uh Lakers against uh, Boston and uh I standing up winning that series. That's the first time I watched you, you know, NBA basketball and all that stuff. And then I was like, Kobe was killing. I'm like, yeah, I kinda wanna be like him. Like this is crazy, like, and then, but at that time, my dad didn't want to let me play basketball because he thought it was too physical, which nowadays it doesn't make sense because, like, I travel, you know, being physical and showing my mm -hmm. physicality against whoever I'm playing against. And then it was like, no, no, no. And then one of my uncles had to, you know, he had to start, like, trying to convince him to let me play basketball and, uh, that's how I started watching the Lakers and Kobe. That's why I was such a big, you know, Kobe fan, and it hit me hard, you know, when uh, when that happened. Absolutely, man, it was tragic for sure. But I I I want to ask you this question, and I more so want to ask you this question. You know, in me uh, doing this media thing, one thing I hate about media is how they try to stir controversy. I I think it's unnecessary. I think it's pathetic. But I, I want to ask you a question about this situation um, for my own personal sake. Uh, and what I want to ask you is, 
with the Ben situation. <clears throat> I feel like at times we get thrusted into this position of like where you're almost defending the team. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like some of that happened to you in the Ben Simmons situation because the reality is this. I think some of it happened in the Russ uh, KD situation. Like, we see it often. It's not like it was just you and Ben. It happens all the time. And the reality is I think we lose sight and ultimately, like, with you and Ben, like, you, 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 you express your dismay with the situation. You express, like, get them out of here then. Like, you express all of that. But there was a I point. Ne- I, never, I, never, I never said that to get him out of there. I just, I just didn't understand what was going on. Honestly, like I, mm-hmm. I didn't, I, I, I didn't understand like what happened and you know what led on to that whole situation. To this day, I don't understand. Uh, I mean, even you know when you look at, and I don't have any problems with him. Uh, and you know, like I said, like obviously we didn't win a championship together, but you know, in the regular season we were dominant every single season. Fifty win seasons, like I, I always believed that you know we had a chance to win together. Like I always believe it. Even to this day, I believe that we had a chance to win. And uh, you know what we were able to accomplish. Obviously, winning matters the most. But I feel like. You know, we had a chance, and that's why I don't get, I don't understand, you know, what was going on on us. What caused, you know, him to want to leave? Uh, I understand, you know, his explanation, uh, but, you know, a lot of things don't make sense. Do, do you think your press conference after game seven, was it? Um, do you think that had any effect on it? I don't think it did. Because, uh, but this is what we, you, you know, you're a member of the media and all that stuff. But this is what, you know, this is what you just mentioned, you know, that they're always going to try to pick up little stuff just to make them, you know, look right or just to cause like controversy and all that stuff. You, if you look at the whole press conference, they ask me a question, you know, what happened? You know, what happened? Like, what caused this loss? And then I literally mentioned a bunch of events that happened. I mentioned, you know, where it really started. And, you know, I was being honest. Like, we all, like, me and you, like, you know, I say what I have, what I want to say. And I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, just hold myself just because I got to, you know, make people feel better. And I feel like I didn't hurt anybody's feelings. You know, I mentioned, I was like, you know, obviously the past up there, I didn't even mention that. I said, you know, we just, you, uh, we missed an opportunity. And then, uh, and then I, I actually called out Matisse for missing the free throw. And then I was like, I didn't call out by his name. I was like, we missed the free throw. And then I called out a bunch of events that happened after we had a, you know, we fought a three-point shooter. And then I turned, I, I mentioned me turning the ball over when we were down four. At that point, uh, they ended up scoring in the fast break, which, you know, pushed the lead uh, up to six points. Uh, I mentioned a bunch of other events where we made a mistake. I mentioned myself. But, you know, the media is going to be the media. They all take, you know, that one part where I said we passed up, you know, a layup 
and we missed the free throw and all that. So which doesn't make sense. I didn't call out anybody specifically. I just listed a bunch of events that happened that led to us. Because at that point, we the score was tight. Or we were down by one at that point. Uh, when, you know, we... Uh, we missed the free throw. And then I called out a bunch of events that happened after. And But that just had to pick, you know, that one part where it seemed like I was calling someone out when I wasn't willing to. And I was talking about, like, the sequence of, you know, the events that happened. Uh, for sure. And I think as, as a leader, uh, one of the things that I do respect is you calling out yourself and saying, oh, I had too many turnovers, and especially oh, that one down the stretch. Like, as a leader, you have to be able to do that. And and I and I have the utmost respect for that because I think that's very important. And it's also very important that you can talk about your teammates as well. Like, like we all, we all struggle, we all go never, through it. It's never personal. Like, even this year, like, you look at, you know, my press conference with Tom Reeves, like, like, when he's not taking shots or he's missing shots or he's not taking wide open shots, I'm like, yo, I'm calling him out. I'm like, like, you got to be better. But, like, as teammates and because we're so close off the court, he understands that that I want him to be better, not just for me, but for the whole team and for himself because I, I understand. I don't – you know what it takes to win – I haven't won, but I feel like I have an idea of what it takes to win. Uh, you know, I've lost, you know, on a buzzer beater when we had a great team. And, you know, who knows? We could have had a chance to win a championship or play you guys in the finals that year. Uh, so, like, I feel like I have an idea of what it takes to win, but I haven't gotten there. So, like, and as you know, you can't win alone. I can't win one on five. Like, that's impossible. Like, I need my teammates' help. So, like, when I'm calling out, whether it's, you know, Matisse or Tyrese, like, they know that it's not personal. They just know that I just care about them. And I want to win so bad that, like, you know, I just want them to be better. And they understand that. And, you know, it's never personal. Now, 100%. And I must say something to you. We've had this conversation on the podcast before where I was speaking about winning and losing. And you you don't know what it takes to win a championship because you haven't won a championship. You know what it takes to win. Yep. Because simply, just because you, it's hard to win a championship, man. Like, people don't realize all of the things that has to go right in order to win a championship. Like, it's not just about who got the most talented or who had the best year. It's so many things that have to go right. And so I would love to correct you here. And you know how to win. You, you've yeah. won since, since you've been healthy. You've won. Like, you know how to win. Winning a championship is a different thing that takes a bunch of things to align in order for that thing to actually happen. And the guy who I was talking about was Chris Paul. Because people say Chris Paul isn't a winner. Fuck out of here. Chris Paul is a winner. Chris Paul is one of the better winners in our game. Chris Paul just has not won a championship. But Chris yeah. Paul has won over and over and over and over and over again. And you've done the same thing, and you're still very young. So don't get caught up in that whole, I think I know what it takes. You know what it takes to win. You've done everything it does to take to win. And the reality is this. Y'all lost on one of the most impossible buzzer beaters in NBA history to go to the NBA Finals, if I'm not mistaken. No, second one, second one. So go to the conference finals. Conference finals. And then y'all would have faced who? Milwaukee. 
that's 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 a matchup that could go either way. You know what I'm saying? And and that that's also not the Milwaukee with Drew Holiday. Yeah. Um, that's that's a totally yeah. different Milwaukee yeah. team. Yep. And and so it's it's the margin for error is this small. Like it's not like like you really were right there. And then say you do get through Milwaukee because that was the same Milwaukee team, and now you're playing a beat down Golden State Warriors. Like, yeah. and so it's really that small. And I hope you don't get caught up in, I have not won a championship. And I'm not winning. That's bullshit. It, it's hard to win a championship in this league. And so don't get caught I, up I, in I, that. I understand that. I understand that because I've gotten to the second one, you know, so many times. And, you know, like, and you got to be so strong mentally because if you're not, like, I've gone to the second one, you get to like game four, you're like, Man, like you still like you still got like conference finals and finals. You got a, another couple game like freaking fifteen games that you got to play or whatever. Like I'm like you got to be mentally strong because the playoffs are draining. Even the second one that I've got, and I'm like, man, like if I don't you know keep doing or if I don't take care of my body, like you're not gonna make it. Absolutely, absolutely. It's one of the most important things and. By the way, the whole taking care of your body thing, it takes time to learn that. Yeah. Like, it took me a lot so, of time. The way you take care of your body, it may be differently than what I need to take care of my body, right? It, it takes time to figure that and time. And so, like, it's all coming together for you, bro. And I can sit here and talk to you for another hour, and I would love to, but in, in respect for your time, I'm going to just ask a couple more questions and let you go. I know you're no, not got prepared time. for a game. We got time. Okay. But, uh, okay. And, and speaking of the Ben trade and, and with Brooklyn, y'all brought in James Harden. A, a James Harden, who a lot of people has wrote off and said um, he's out of shape and he's declined and he's no longer the James Harden that we once knew, only to see him reignite uh, or come in with you guys. Um and look just like the James Harden we all knew before. How How is that? And, and I, I've seen that you said, man, I get more open shots than I've ever gotten. Like, how how has that partnership been working out for y'all? And where do you see y'all as far as duos in the NBA? Where do y'all rank? Well, that's not that's not uh that's not on me to figure out, you know, where we ranked and all that stuff. Like at this point, like really like I'm really just focused on, you know, finding ways out to, you know, get better every single day. And then obviously since we had him, uh we added him, like he just provides, you know, something that we really never had uh since I got to Philly. Uh so that's a welcome sight. And he's been great. And uh, I think all of us and especially him. He's still trying to figure it out, you know, how to help everybody. But, uh, you know, it's James Harden. I told him, like, I don't care what anybody says. Like, just be yourself. Like, freaking go score the ball, be a playmaker. He's been a lot. He's been, you know, trying to playmake a lot. Uh, but at times, like, I also wanted to be aggressive uh, and look for his own shot and all that stuff. But, I mean, from all the stories that you hear out there, is you know it's completely different. I mean, fun guy to be around. Uh, you know, positive energy always. Uh, you know, since he got here, uh, you know, you feel like you know. Uh, and like you say, it's all about timing. And you know, 
Some situations are different than others. Uh, I don't know what happened over there. Uh, maybe it wasn't the best situation. Uh, and I would imagine that he put a lot of thoughts into, you know, really making that decision because you li- you're living, you know, a team with fucking Kevin Durant. Like, you know, yeah. Kevin Durant. Like, you play with him. You know how good he is. And, you know, I always say that, you know, like, I really believe in myself as far as, like, you know, talented and what I can do on the basketball floor. Uh, especially skills when it comes to, you know, my size and all that stuff. Like, if there is one guy that I think, you know, for the size and, you know, what, you know, we're able to do on the floor, that's the one guy that I'm like, yeah, he's more talented than me because the guy is seven feet and he can do everything on the basketball court and even better than I can. Uh, So, but, you know, James has been great. Uh, I think we got a chance to, you know, maybe meet you guys in you know in the finals, but we got a long way to go. We we have we not where we supposed to. Uh, we still working on a lot of things uh, that we got to correct, whether it's defensively and then offensively. Trying to find you know trying to make sure that we all succeed and all that stuff. But ultimately, I think you know uh, we got a couple of games uh, to really get on the same page and uh, we'll be fine. No doubt. I, I I think it's been <clears throat> I think it's been beautiful to watch as a just for me as a fan of basketball, like to watch y'all two out there together and and young Tyrese Maxey who has Tyrese has been amazing. Mm-hmm. And he and I, I feel like his growth to me, he's kind of like a wild card for y'all. Like, you know, still really young. So the it's hard to get a consistent 2025 from a guy in his second year in the NBA. Like, that's yeah. a very hard thing to do. Uh, that's that's why to do be, that night to night. That's why he should be the most improved you know, player this year, so. I respect that. I respect that. But, I mean, we'll see. But I, I, I like how it's coming together for y'all. And then, obviously, I think, you know, Doc is, is one of the better coaches in our league. And so, I'm interested to see. And hopefully, we will meet y'all in the finals. Because, as you know, like nobody else in this league, I'm locking that shit up. So, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, whatever. That's why you need a double team every time we play, y'all. That's crazy. I never asked for a double team. Uh, I, I, that's, I that's not even my, in my I makeup. I always find myself to be double every single every single time I play against you. Hey, if you want to duck in like Shaq, you get two feet in the paint, the double team got to come, big fella. Like, I mean, at that point, you got to go for what you know. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, no, nah, I mean... Well, if you say that you you know that good of a defender, I mean, hey, listen, I don't know. I, I, hey. I've never asked for a double team in my life, so me either. That, that ain't, that ain't I think, me. And I think I'm a pretty good defender, uh, especially when I'm on. Uh, so I mean, when, when, when we when we put you in every pick and roll, and they bring you up to blitz because you can't get you know you just like blitz it because you can't get up the floor. That's kind of like. Asking for a double team essentially that, that on the other end. So hey, you, you go double be, step. Hold on. So uh, you want me to play? You want me to play drop against Steph Curry? No, I, I, you don't got to be dropped, but you ain't got to blitz it. I wasn't. I wasn't blitzing last time. I was just trying to make sure we got the ball out of the oh, You can make plays because you can't shoot the basketball. Hey, but I make every other play, and I hope. <laughs> like and, and, and Leave, uh, leave me open we, down the stretch. But, I'm going to can but, your ass. Uh, but would I rather 
uh, make Stephen Curry or you beat us, I take you any single day. <laughs> hey man, many many has succumbed to that to that mindset, brother. Many has succumbed to that mindset. Hey, um, no, no, but uh, check this out. Uh, I I would be remiss if I didn't talk to you about um, the MVP conversation with with you and Joker right up there at the top. Um, <clears throat> I don't think there's a wrong answer, but how, how how are you feeling about that? Where do you feel like you're at right now? And what do you think has to happen for you to close it out this year? Uh, I mean, first of all, Jokic uh, is, uh, is amazing. Freaking. Yes, he is. He's, uh, he's a master. Uh, you know, I only play against him twice a year, but you get to play against him, you know, four times a year or, even more in the playoffs. That's a potential mm-hmm. matchup for you guys. Uh, you know how, how good he is. And I, I I know how good he is because, you know, I'm also happy that big guys are dominating the league. Uh, when you look at whether it's me, him, Giannis, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's good to see. Uh, n- nothing against you guys, you Americans, but it's also good <laughs> to see foreign people, you know, come in, you know, in America and just dominate you guys at your own sport. So uh, that's that's good to see. But uh, he's a he's a monster. But uh, I I did a lot of you know campaigning for myself for MVP last year, which you know uh, could have gone either way. Like if I would have stayed healthy, and it could have gone either way. But I was also happy that he won. Uh, you know. And, you know, this year, you know, I feel like, you know, I took my game to an even higher level than I did last year. And the knock on me last year was, you know, I didn't stay healthy mm-hmm. uh, for enough games, uh, which, you know, they're probably going to use that against you too when it comes to defensive play of the year. Uh, but, you know, this year, what more can you ask? You know, mm-hmm. I production went higher, uh, you know, I stayed healthy and, you know, and we had a lot of drama. Uh, but you can say that about a lot of team. But, you know, that whole situation was, uh, it was extremely draining. Uh, it was, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was tough uh, to go through it, especially, you know, every single day being asked about the same questions at the same su- subject all the time. Like, like he was, uh, it was very, uh, he was very annoying. But like I said, like you know, everything just speaks for itself. Uh, you know, like you said, there is no right or wrong answer. Uh, you know, he's a master. Uh, you know, but I feel like I've also put myself in a position to, you know, where I deserve it, and it is my time. Uh, but like I said, it's up to you guys, you the media. Well, I don't got I don't got that kind of vote. I wish I did have that vote. <laughs> I think I could possibly vote better than some other folks, but yeah. I ain't got that vote yet. No, yeah, but, but I'm saying you meet your friends. It's up to you. <laughs> uh, you know who deserves it or who's gonna win it. Uh, but you know, um, you know, winning a championship matters to me a lot. So uh, if I were to not win it and win a championship. Even better. <laughs> so, but then again, but then again, you know, we all have egos. Like, you want to, mm-hmm. you want to win a bunch of defensive player of the year in your career, just like I want to win a bunch of MVPs and defensive player of the year in my career. Like, at some point, like you know, yeah, like 
like it's it would be cool to you know do both too, especially at the same time. Hey man, you ain't winning no defensive player of the year blitz and stuff. They don't blitz with Rudy Gobert. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Well, and that's why Steph always freaking kills him. <laughs> you not playing because you cannot play drop against freaking Steph Curry. <laughs> And by the way, we and we had that conversation about, you know, you know, how to figure it out who's a great defender and who's not. So like <laughs> to me, it's like, I don't know. I don't know. Who's the favorite to win defensive player of the year this year? I'm not sure. Uh I stopped keeping you, up with it. Once it I, got hurt. You, I agree. Yeah. I mean I agree. Got, so what what would be your Criteria to figure it out, you know, who wins the awards. Let's say defensive player of the year. You got to have, what, a top 10 defense, right? At least. I, I think you definitely have to have a top 10 defense yeah. for sure. Like, yeah. You, you, it, it's like you, you can't win MVP and you got a, a, a bottom five offense. Like, yeah. Like, I think uh, you like, got, you, you got to have a top 10 a lower defense. Than, or but, lower than a four seed or whatever. Yeah. Like, I think you, you got to have a, you got to have a top 10 defense, but you also have to pass the eye test. Like, just because you have a top 10 defense doesn't necessarily mean, like, hey, this guy's a defensive player. Yeah, I think sometimes that gets skewed at times. But like I said in my press conference the other day, I think there's no debate through 34 games, which was what I had played before I got hurt. Uh, We were 28 and 6. Through 34 games played, I don't think there was any secret that I had to solidify. Oh, yeah, I, for I sure. Think. I agree with that. Okay. To follow that, I don't see who solidified themselves since then. And so my thing is, if if nobody solidified themselves in these 34 games since I went out, and I had it solidified 34 games in, then how can I not still go on to be the defensive player of the year? Because I didn't play enough games? Because I'm going to play... I'm going to end up playing 48, 48 games, I think. I've seen people win it and play 50 and 51 and 52. So am I two games short of being able to win it? Like, I think it's been proven, you know, what my defense does for a team. But if I win it this I know, year, I know, great. I know, if but not, I whatever. Know, but if I didn't win MVP last year, missing 20 games, you can't win defensive player of the year either. That's true. But the only thing is, where they going at you at is they're they're really counting against you your prior history because missing twenty games is not like I don't. Most guys only going to play a max of seventy anyway. Yeah, for sure. And so missing twenty games is really not that much. I think what they was counting against you was your past history, so they could say, "Oh, but he's always hurt, right?" And you, the reality is, yeah, you haven't been sense. hurt like I that in five years. Yeah, like, I haven't been hurt. <laughs> I agree, but you, you know how it goes. These narratives, these narratives take yeah. on a life of their own, yeah. and then that's just kind of what it is. Yeah, yeah. but, but uh, I, I do, I do agree with you. But uh, yeah, you definitely got to pass the eye test, and you know, obviously, you guys' defense is the freaking best in the league, uh, so. I guess I it's not up it, to us. It's up to the voters. That's but a fact. To we'll go see. to uh, to me- I want to mention something. Like to me, it's like yo, like I don't understand how you can be a defensive player of the year if you don't carry 
at least top five or top ten defensive yeah. team in the league. That doesn't sure. that that would not to me that would not make sense. Uh, like even me, like I feel like I've gotten so good offensively that you know people forget about the defensive side. Like Absolutely. I still like yeah sure like it's hard to like play you know freaking thirty six minutes every night and do everything offensively and defensively. Like I'm gonna have my moments where yeah like we all are, we all have like. Uh, moments where like you gonna slip up here and there mm-hmm. and all that stuff, but like even in those conversations, like, I hate like going like when I started in the league. My first goal, I was like, I want to win Defensive Player of the Year. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. I never cared about MVP and all that stuff, and I was always I gotta win Defensive Player of the Year. But I just hate that like because I've my offensive game has you know got into another level. That just Forget that, you know, I'm still right there. Like, you know, still carrying mm-hmm. a top 10 defensive team, you know, averaging, you know, 1.1 still or whatever, 1.5 blocks. Like, it's just annoying to me. But then again, got to control what you can. And, Absolutely. You know, if you win enough, then you're going to get your respect. So it's all about winning. Absolutely, man. Last question before I let you go. Um, and, and also paying homage to. Uh, one of the guys who come before you from 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 your homeland, um, Hakeem Olajuwon. I know coming into the league, you you would always say like I want you wanted to pattern your game after Hakeem Olajuwon. No disrespect to the to the great Hakeem the Dream because he is incredible, but I think with the way you've expanded your game, to just say it's Hakeem Olajuwon, I think is doing it, it, it's not. To me, it's not quite accurate. Now, granted, you do have some dream in you. You got the shake, the footwork, all, you know, the midi, all of the stuff that the dream had. But, like, the way you push the ball in transition, the way you shooting the three, the way you mixing the guy's step back three, that's different to me. And so I just wanted to ask, for you, in your mind, is it still Hakeem for you or has that expanded? Man, this is expanded to everybody. I just, uh, I just, I'm a willing learner, and I want to learn everything. Uh, you know, to give you an example, uh, you know, my first two years uh, in the playoffs, I really struggled uh, because I was just a post player. It was easy to double me. I couldn't shoot off the dribble and all that stuff. So me and uh, True Handler, my trainer, we were like. We got to figure that out. Like, I can't be easily guarded. So we had to find ways out to, like, add, you know, something new to my game. That's when we started watching, you know, whether it was Kobe, like, KD, uh, you know, like, Dirk and all that stuff. Like, basically, any legends that have, that has come to the game and that, you know, had whatever part, uh, particular move uh, that they added to the game that everybody uses. So we were like, that's what we walked on. We were like, I, I got to be unpredictable. Like, I, like people can't know that I'm just going to post up. I got to be able to take the ball, push it push it in transition, do a hazy pull up like KD or fade away like Kobe or MJ. Like, so we just decided that like we needed to expand the game, um, my game. And yeah, but to answer your question, yeah, I 
at this point, like, it's not a camp. It's a bunch of, you know, every, like, a lot of superstars that have come in uh, to the game and all that stuff. And uh, we had this conversation at All-Star. Uh, obviously, you know how I feel about, you know, old school players and, mm-hmm. you know, how they're being rated and all that stuff. So I don't even want to, you don't even want to get me started on that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean can, you, can you imagine, you know, the skill level that we have nowadays, or uh, let's say me doing that back in the freaking 60s? That would have hey. probably put me in jail. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> or I would have been the greatest player ever. Like Absolutely. <laughs> so that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, like it, it's crazy. And we had that conversation. And sometimes it just, like, it just pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, hey, man. If anybody get it, I get it. The, the skill <laughs> level today is, like, so far ahead of what it was back then, which is why I don't understand the whole NBA 75 list. I, I, th- I, don't, I don't understand it either. I mean, there were some names on it. I'm like, like they, I, they put the highlight on it. I'm like, you know, I watched someone dribble, like, one hand. And I'm like, <laughs> yo, like, this is crazy. Like, I, I, I'm way better than this. I, I don't know what you guys are saying yet. I don't have the resume yet. Um, like, I don't have that, but when you talk about the skill level and like if I'm actually better than a lot of those guys, then I don't know. Like, and if you don't agree, <laughs> then we can't talk basketball because the skill level nowadays compared to you know back in the day, like I don't know, like, they would have probably shot us back then if we were doing all this stuff. <laughs> Absolutely, it's crazy, man. You, like, it's just it's. It's impossible that you can say some of those guys on that list are part of the 75 best players to play in this. Like, like, come on, man. That it's it's something off something is off with that list. No no disrespect. Uh, you know, I respect all the accomplishments and stuff, but you know, when absolutely that's another conversation for another day, but there's a (laughs) lot of names on that list where I'm like. I don't know what you guys talking about, but there's no way. <laughs> but stop it. Like, stop. Hey, man. JoJo, brother, I, I, yeah. I in my heart, believe you're going to be on the 100. I don't know how they're going to be able to deny you that. I don't know how they're going to be able to deny you. I hope so, man. We'll you see. You're going to be too. Hey, you but, got a resume, man. <laughs> hey, I appreciate it, brother. But I will tell you this before we go. I'm also not sure how they're going to deny you MVP um, with, with, and, and like I said, that's no disrespect to Joker, who is incredible. Uh, that's no disrespect to any other, other, other guys that's in the running. Um, you know, DeMar has been incredible. John Moran has been incredible. Like, I think there are guys who are definitely deserving to be in that conversation. But with what y'all team dealt with this year, for you to keep that team right up there, the one seed most of the year, two seed, like, for I mean, for you to do that, missing an all-star, like, it wasn't like the trade happened right away and there was another all-star there. You missed an all-star for 60 games. And to still carry that team the way you did with guys in and out of the lineup, I don't know what else you got to do, my brother. But whatever, uh, you're doing it, man. I don't, I don't it, know man. either, but, you know, like you said, there's a lot of guys, you know, 
that can be mentioned and you know i have a lot of respect for all of them especially Jokic, because i'm so happy that you know, bigs are taking over and all that stuff. So European bigs, yeah. not to be mixed up with you American bigs. <laughs> European so, bigs. <laughs> whatever, whatever happens, happens. If I win it, great. You know, if he does, I mean, it's whatever. So. Hey, listen. Listen, y'all. JoJo is going for the European bigs, for the African bigs, and for Giannis, the African descent European big. That's who we rolling with. <laughs> My brother, I appreciate you coming uh, on, man. As I said, I could do this for another two hours. Thank you so much for taking the time, bro. Really yes, appreciate of it. Of course. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.